Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. So the big question is this, who are you? And uh, I'm so tempted just to ask you to talk about that, but uh, I'm going to get to teach a little bit. Who are you? Um, and b- before you rush off into, oh man, I don't want another self-help kind of talk and a chat about, you know, I, I, I am who I am. And I achieved a whole bunch of stuff despite the stuff in my life. And I worked hard to achieve what, you know, I don't want any kind of soft soaping stuff. Well, that's not what we're about to do. I want us to spend two weeks in God's word taking a look at who he says we are and what that is all about. Now, if you have a Bible, it would be great if you turn to a book in the New Testament called Romans and chapter Eight. And we're going to read some verses, and if you have your Bible, keep it open, because we'll refer to it a bit. Maybe some verses will come up on, on the screen. Who are you? The Apostle Paul writes. Now, the Apostle Paul is one of the most intelligent people you would ever meet, and he's one of the most profound and helpful leaders of the early church. And he writes this stuff uh, to Christians, to believers in Jesus, in the major city of the known world. In Rome, and he's really, really concerned that they understand who they are, because he knows what you also know that you always operate out of your core identity. Who am I? You always react, you always uh, respond, you always act out of who you think and know that you are. And so he writes this stuff, Romans chapter eight and verse thirteen. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Now if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we might also share in his glory. See, my concern is this, that many of us have settled for a definition of living that is way below what we're designed for. We've settled for for living here when actually he's called us and created us and enabled us to live way up there. Who are you? Where do I get my idea of who I am from? Let me show you something. If you go to a party, how many of you go to parties? (laughs) Five people. Okay, I'll just assume the rest of you do and just don't like to respond publicly in public places, okay? If you go to a party, let's just call it a, a meal out or something for those of you who are over 40, you don't go to parties anymore. Uh, if you go to a party, and depending upon whether the party is upscale or down market, uh, you know, depending on whether it's formal or informal, there is a question that everyone's got for you if they first meet you. The question is this, it's never actually articulated, but the question is this, who are you? 
Who are you? So the way it gets articulated is, do you have family? Or uh, where do you live? Or what job do you do? Or if you live in Edinburgh, what school did you go to? Those kind of questions. And they're all designed to get you to reveal something so somebody can label you and file you and say, I know who you are. I know what kind of person you are. I even know where you shop. And it's not even the questions that are asked explicitly. It's the thoughts that are implicit. People checking out what you're wearing. You notice that? Aha. Uh-huh. Dress size? Mm-hmm. Shoes? Shoes are a dead giveaway. And you, think, you can try to tell somebody by the shoes that they're wearing. No, no one's checking out my shoes right now. What's he wearing those for? They're brown. He's wearing a black shirt. You know, just, and it's all designed to work out who you are. Who am I? Am I really the amalgam of uh, my looks and my bank account and where I live and my experiences and my pain and all the stuff that's been done to me and spoken is that really, does that really define me? Is that who I am? Is that my identity? Maybe. Maybe not. See, the scriptures have a perspective that could change everything for us. And that's why over the next couple of weeks, we're just going to take a look at what the Bible says from one passage of Scripture about who you are. A different perspective, a different lens, so that you have a different authority and foundation of your life. You see, if the lens through which you view you is culture or tradition or experience, then so easily the standard becomes people. Who they are, what they think, what they decide is cool and what is not cool, what they decide is acceptable and not acceptable, and what you think about what they decide is cool and acceptable and not acceptable. And so, so easily it becomes flawed and suspect and insecurity is often the result. I see people all the time flashing fake ID, flashing somebody else's ID, flashing socially acceptable ID, flashing false ID. And we think, well, that's, that's, that's humorous. But actually, it's a huge issue because it's killing people. I mean, really killing people. Uh, Nikki and I, when we lived in Leeds, used to live next door to a lovely, lovely family, three kids. And the youngest child was intelligent and beautiful. She got top grades at school. She was uh, a lovely in company. She used to babysit our kids, and she hated herself. She hated herself to the extent that she starved herself. And so from the age of eight until the present day, she's been more or less most of her time in and out of hospital because she has anorexia. And the issue? She doesn't know who she is. And it's not just food and it's not just diet and it's not just body image. It's also, I I, I have friends I know who are killing their family because they have decided to live in a location they cannot afford and they have mortgaged themselves to the hilt so he has to work two jobs and she is out working as well and they never see their kids. And why? What's the issue? Bottom line, they don't know who they are. I have friends who who are having uh, um, cosmetic surgery cosmetic surgery? No. The bottom line issue? I just don't know who they are. 
It's a huge, huge issue. But you see, if the lens through which you see yourself is God and his word and his perspective and his understanding, it's going to change everything. See, here's the thing. You are incredible. You are incredible just the way you are. You just don't feel it very often. You don't hear it enough, and you certainly don't live it. I mean, you should meet yourself. Really, you'd really like yourself if you met yourself. This guy, Paul, one of the followers of Jesus, writes about key identity. And what he says in a very, very complex way, over 17 verses, and we're not going to get really deep into this stuff, but we're going to go to the root of it. What he says in these verses is God wants you to live. He doesn't want you to flash your fake ID or your borrowed ID. He wants you to live as who he created you to be, not half-lives. He wants you to go way beyond all the definitions this world gives you, and he wants you to understand who you are. And the scriptures are full of it. I mean, we could spend hours and hours just going through the Old Testament and the New Testament and saying, well, this is your identity. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knows you. He created you unique exactly as you are. He doesn't need you to change your fundamental personality because he made you that way. He wants to reform all of our characters so that it gets conformed to the likeness of God. But he loves you. He thinks you're great. You are Christ's workmanship, the New Testament says. The word is, it comes from the word poem. You're, you're God's poem. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Jesus rocks up and he starts to talk about who he is and what he's all about. And he says, to those who receive me, God gives them the right to become children of God. That's a game changer right there. You are a child of God. You get to relate to the creator of the universe who makes all things, holds all things, has all potential in his hand, created you and your DNA and given you purpose. You get to relate to him as daddy, dad, Abba is the word that Paul uses. It's the intimate Aramaic word. It's the first word that a child would say to his dad, Abba, Papa, Dad. It's a loving, intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. Wow, that's who you are. So Paul says this, when you get to know this God, when you get to encounter this God, when you get to relate to this God, Everything changes for you. There's no condemnation, he says. You're not full of guilt and shame and you've done this and you shouldn't have done this. No, no, no. There's new freedom. There's a new law. It's not the law of sin and death when you used to run away from God and stick two fingers up at God and say, I don't need you, God. And it was all condemnation stuff. Now it's life and joy because you know who you are. Do you know who you are? And the secret is this. You have to learn to live out of your original ID. You have to learn to live out 
of the relationship that you have with the creator of the universe and the savior of the world. You have to get to know you if you're going to live. You need to get that he's the daddy and you're the kitty. And you need to get what it means to live as the kitty with full abandonment and full security and full life because you have everything that you need for this life. And he says all that in 17 verses and it's very complex and people have preached hundreds of sermons on it and I'm going to give it to you in 20 minutes. But I want to take you back to the source identity. Because if you can get your source identity... It's going to put in total perspective your experiences. And the stuff that was said over you and the stuff that was done to you and the damage that you carry in this world and the fears that you have about the future and the regrets that you have about the past and the masks that you use in the present, when you get what he calls you, then you're no longer going to be limited. See, most of the problems that you and I have in life are inhibitions not prohibitions. You understand that? Most of the issues that we have in life in becoming who God wants us to be are in here. They're not people telling us we can't do things. It's, it's us telling ourselves we can't do things and we're limited by what we've experienced or what we think or what we believe about ourselves or who we are according to ourselves. And honestly, I carry all that stuff. I'm really tempted the whole time to see myself as someone that I'm not. I'm tempted the whole time to see myself as some kind of, of mash-up between the really positive things that are said about me and to me by, by people and to live for that kind of affirmation and, and a mash-up of all the, all the things that were said that were negative, all those sticky labels that, of expectation that were stuck all over me. I'm tempted to see myself as, as my kind of biological past. I'm tempted, you know, my, my, my heritage is Russian Jew and, and my, my family, Christians and, uh, and, and leaders of the church, you know, so I'm tempted to see myself in that way. I'm tempted to see myself as an ex-sportsman, <laughs> used to play sport, uh, now severely damaged. I'm tempted to see myself as a guy who, who always thought he was slightly overweight. Why do you think I wear my shirt untucked? Just being honest. I'm tempted, to see, I'm tempted to see myself in all those things that people, I think, think about me. I'm tempted to see myself as dad of four beautiful daughters, a husband of an incredible wife. And I'm tempted to define myself as those things. And those things that are interesting because they, they all frame me. But it doesn't form me. All those things frame me. All those experiences, all those, all those things, all those characteristics, all my personality, ENFP, if you're interested. All that stuff that, that kind of people say about me, it, it, it frames me. But it doesn't form me. What forms me is I'm a, a loved son of God. He, he defined my personality when he made me in my mother's womb. He, he sought me out. He called me to his purpose. Because when he calls you, he always begins to define purpose for you. He is the one that forms me. That's my true identity. I am a son of God. And that changes everything. See how it changes everything? 
It kind of changes everything. And Paul writes about it. Verse 5, he says, when you get that source identity inside of you, you begin to think differently. And because your, your brain is a leader, when you think differently, you feel differently. And when you feel differently, you act differently. It's not rocket science, some other science. It, it, it just changes the way in which you think about life. And when your key identity is secured, you think differently. Look at verse 5. You don't think anymore according to the pattern of this world. You're not enslaved by that. The pattern of this world, well, it'll have you thinking me, 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 me. It'll have you thinking stuff, 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 stuff. It'll have you thinking more, better, shinier. It'll have you thinking my skills plus my effort equal my success. So I need to get better and I need to work harder and everything's going to be okay. It'll have you thinking that what I look like defines me. It'll have you thinking that how many friends I've got on Facebook or how many followers on Twitter is what people think about me. It'll have you thinking that my security is what is in the bank or my security is in what I own and it's all a pile of nonsense if we stop just for a moment and thought about it. But that's the way in which the world makes us think. That's why we've got so many problems in life. But when you begin to operate out of your core identity, you begin to think the way the Father thinks. And you think life and you think joy, and you think peace, and you think generosity, and you think love, and you think differently because you're operating out of a different authority and your cadence becomes different and your pace becomes different and your priorities become different and what you do with your money becomes different because you know the one who set time in motion. You know the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and you're no longer insecure about your life. You think differently. And because you think differently, you act differently. Verse 6, you don't, you don't act death and destruction anymore. You act life and peace because you're walking in lockstep with the creator of the universe who is full of life and full of peace. You posture differently. Look at verse 8 if you've got your Bibles. You no longer try and please yourself. Do you know, I, I'm sick of trying to please myself. I'm a really bad master. I never please myself. And you don't try and please everybody else either. Because in some senses, that's even worse. You can please most of the people none of the time. And it just doesn't work. But you live to please God. You live to please his agenda and his heart, his wisdom, what he wants out of life. And suddenly you find your pace and your life and your security in a completely different place. You are incredible. You're incredible. You know, I, I wish you could get this. You're incredible. All the potential God wants placed in you, he has placed in you. He never places potential in you without wanting that potential to be fulfilled. You're incredible. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is crucial. If you hear nothing else, hear this. Paul implies that you can know all of that stuff that I've just said to you. 
And you can live your life with full knowledge. If you've hung around in church long enough to be biblically dangerous, you can have all this stuff in your head and you can know all this stuff, but actually you can not live this stuff. You can have all the knowledge about the fact that God loves you and he's for you and your best life is walking lockstep with him and your identity comes out of that. It doesn't come out of what people think or what people say or what the media says you have to be or what dress size you are or whatever it is. You can have all that knowledge in your head and you can still live out of a deep insecurity because you don't, you don't appropriate your relationship with God. So Paul says this really interestingly. He says, we have an obligation. We have an obligation, which is a very strong word. The word in the original language is really, really strong. It's basically, you are now in debt. You are morally bound. You owe something. And what you owe, what you're morally bound, is not to live the way you used to live. Because that will kill you. Because you met Jesus. And he changed everything. And he filled you with his Holy Spirit to live. Not to hang around worrying about sin and death and, uh, and being really miserable because that's what Christians do or to, or, or to look like you're chewing a wasp while you're in church. None of that stuff. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't come and live and die so you could have that stuff. He came and he lived and he died and he set his face towards that cross and he rose again so that you can have life in all its fullness. You are morally bound to live. To live as sons and daughters. And here's where we find ourselves struggling. Because when we know all that stuff and we don't live it, we live as positional sons and experiential orphans. So we've got it in our head, we're, yeah, we're sons of God. But actually in our experiences, we don't live as sons and daughters of God. We live with insecurity and jealousy and comparison. It's like we've got our true ID in our wallet, but we're still flashing our fake ID and living according to our false ID and somebody else's ID and somebody else's idea about what life is about. And that's why we struggle so much. That's why it's one step in and one step out as far as our Christian faith is concerned. See, it's your true ID that gets you access and privilege. Have you ever um, forgotten your ID or lost it? You know that moment when you turn up to the airport and, oh, you it's just me then, passport, or, or you check your kid's passport and you find that it's out of date <laughs> just before you're about, you know, have you ever, none of you have ever done that, it's just me, um, or even worse, I, I, was, I think I was 18 years of age and um, I come back from university and you have to understand you know, when I say I had some insecurities, basically, I was fashion victim gone mad, okay? So, I mean, I had hair, I had different colors, I had, it was undercut under here and it's floppy around the edges, I had it tied up, I had earring, I had, you know, whatever was the latest cool fashion or I thought was cool fashion. It's interesting, not many people thought it was, but I used to think it was very cool. You know, so I wear whatever it was, you know, I had these big baggy trousers, I had... Um, uh, you know, do any of you remember Miami Vice? <laughs> so I thought I was Crockett. So I had this kind of, and some of you just go, oh, short jackets, t shirt underneath. So I, I really like this girl. Okay? And all, I'm, all my mates were going to this nightclub called the Valley Lodge in Manchester. 
Okay, so we went down to the Valley Lodge and there were about 20 of us. And there was this girl I really liked and she was with me. And I was dressed like, I don't know what, some Miami dude. And I showed up to this thing and all my mates got in and the girl and the guy said, I'm sorry, mate. I said, what's the matter? I was trying to find my ID, I couldn't find my ID. And he said, it's the socks or lack of them, son. That was it. Gone. You know, here's this thing. It's locked out. Everyone else in. Me outside. No way to get home. How do I do this? It's one thing when it's no socks and a nightclub. It's altogether another thing when it's life that you got locked out of. Because you didn't know who you were. And you didn't appropriate the right ID. You see, your true ID gets you access to the Father. Gets you access to a relationship of intimacy with the creator of the universe where you can talk to God as dad and tell him what it's like and he gets to intervene on your behalf because you're his son. Your true ID gets you privilege. We haven't got time now, but if you look at verse 11 through to verse 15, you see all the privileges that come. They're kind of byproducts of your ID. You get power, verse 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, which is crazy. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Suddenly you have power for life. Power to change stuff. How to transform your world, other people's worlds, because God lives in you. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And it's a byproduct of you appropriating your identity. You get power and you get transformation. In other words, to transform all the stuff that you don't like about your life, that is messed up about your life, that actually needs turned on its head. The power that comes from that is in you. Wow. You get guidance. Verse 15, those who are led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, are sons of God. Suddenly those questions you have about, should I go this direction, this direction, this relationship, that relationship, that business partnership. The Spirit of God is one who's wanting to speak into your heart to give you guidance to live. And it all comes out of the true ID. Now be careful before we finish. You could hear this all the wrong way. And you could, you, could, you could get the right idea and end up with the wrong application. You could hear, oh man, fake ID, false ID, somebody else's ID, borrowed ID, mm, that's all a bit naughty and a bit wrong and I need to do something better so I need to get on the true ID program. I do a lot of things, beat myself up, read a lot of the Bible, come to church a lot, even sing in church if I feel I have to. Do all this stuff that's got to happen, I've got to make it work. And No, 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 no. You completely misunderstand what Paul's saying. He's saying true ID is a gift from God for you if you would just receive it. True ID that deals with your insecurities is a gift from God to you if you would just receive it. True ID is not about behavior modification. It's not about you not drinking, not smoking, not swearing, not saying the name of Jesus when you shouldn't say the name of Jesus, although those things are quite good things to think about. It's not about true behavior modification. It's more about power transformation of your heart and life. 
Check it out. Look at verse 15 with me. Let's walk this through so you understand this. Paul says this. We receive. That's a gift word, isn't it? We receive the spirit of sonship. The spirit external testifies with our spirit internal that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit, in other words, gives us a gift. It's called true identity. The gift bringer, the Holy Spirit, connects with the spirit we've already been given and confirms what deep down we already know that we're created for more than this. That we're children of the living God. And we're created for glory. Friends, it's about time you lived your best life. It's about time you, you, you began to get rid of some of that fake ID, some of that false ID that will kill you and kill other people around you. It's about time you appropriated that identity and didn't just know it but begun to live it. You have to get rid of some fake ID because that will suffocate your true ID. And Paul goes on to say this, doesn't he? He says... Um, you didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. Fear will stop you. Fear will suffocate you. Fear will destroy you. Have you ever used a false ID? You don't have to admit to it. I think there are some police officers here. But, uh, I mean, I'm sure, I mentioned this in the first service, and everyone just looked at me as if, I said, don't worry, this is probably for the 6.30. <laughs> have you ever used the fake ID? I mean, really? I, I, let's be honest, you don't have to put your hand up, but, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure some of you have. I'm sure someone's borrowed your kid's membership for a gym or, or no, that's just me as well. <laughs> I'm sure you've done something you shouldn't have. have you, you know the fear that you feel when you're using something at somebody else's ID that you'll get caught out? Do you know that feeling? Oh. None of you. I know that fear. The fear that one day you, you, maybe someone will sort you out and, and you'll be left out. You know this is fake and it's not real and one day you'll be discovered for what it, for what it is. You'll, you'll find what it is. and You've got to ditch your fake ID if you're going to embrace true ID. I refuse to be defined by what I look like. I'm tempted to be defined by what I look like, but I refuse to be defined by it. I refuse to be defined by what I do and where I live and what I drive and whether people think I'm funny or smart. I'm defined by the fact that I'm a son of the living God and he has a purpose for my life. And he wants to love you in exactly the same way. And if you let him, he wants to gift you and he wants to free you and purpose you. And here's the really cool thing. This morning he walks among the rose. That's what the Bible says, that he's alive, he's living, he's active, and he's here. Not in a freaky way, but in a loving way. And as he walks amongst the rose, he wants to whisper something to every single one of you. Me as well. I love you, my son, my daughter. I chose you, my son, my daughter. I gift you, my son, 
my daughter. And if you listen very, very carefully, the Spirit of Jesus will whisper something very personal to you. Not just your general calling, but your specific vocation. And I call you this. And I charge you with this. And I invite you to this. And I welcome you into your name, which is this. And if you let him, you will begin to walk in true identity. And it will change everything. So what he wants to do is an exchange. Your fake ID for some true ID. And that's what he's here for. Should we pray? Let's do it. Father, we, we love that we get to call you Father. We love that you're not distant and removed. You're intimate and available. We really love that our true identity is not defined by what the media says or even what our parents have said. What anyone has done to us or for us. What anyone thinks of us. What we own or what we earn or what we owe. Our true identity is that we're sons and daughters of the living God. And we love that when we embrace that, everything changes. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you speak? Would you whisper? I suspect for some of us, he's going to have to scream truth because it needs to drown out the contamination of the lies of this world. But let him come. And in these moments, if you feel up for it, why don't you just do an exchange with God? (laughs) I'll give you my fake ID if you give me my true ID. I'll give you my insecurity if you... I'll give you my competition and my jealousy. I'll give you my guilt and shame. And I just want what you have for me. And just let him do it. Holy Spirit, would you come? Bring out of true ID, would you come? Thank you, Lord.